You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast um, with me, Johnny, um, with Dana, and our guest for this week, Tuba. Uh, Tuba Acton, welcome back, mate. Um, pleasure to have you back. Um, Elliot, get well soon, of course, but Tuba, welcome back to the Bora Breakdown. Um, but yeah, this is the Bora podcast that gives you the, the ins, the outs, the, the ups and downs, and all of that match day chatter of Middlesbrough Football Club in a podcast. And well, Middlesbrough have made it 10 unbeaten in the Skybet Championship with two away nil nil draws this week against the Teesside Blues of Blackburn Rovers and the Championship favourites of Brentford. Um, Dan, I'm going to kick things off with you, if you don't mind. Two draws, two clean sheets, best defence in the league, best defence in top four divisions, 10 unbeaten in the Skybridge Championship. How impressed have you been with Borough's start so far? It's been it's been really, really good. To be fair, I wasn't really expecting us to, to have such a good unbeaten run. I was reading on the Gazette this morning that it's the best unbeaten run we've had since uh, I talk Ranker was in charge when... Obviously, it ended up in in promotion. So yeah, it's been a fantastic. There's obviously still areas that we need to improve, of course, and we'll we'll get onto that later. But you can't really complain with ten unbeaten, especially the given the sides we've come up against: Watford, uh, Brentford, obviously uh, yesterday, and then Reading were in form team at the time. We were the first team to stop them from winning a game. Um, it feels like every team we're coming up against. They're getting Neil Warnocked. And we're essentially, mm-hmm. we've become the Venus fly trap of the championship. We just come up against teams. <laughs> we we take them in. We stifle their strengths. And they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And yeah, it's brilliant. It's been a brilliant start. Yeah, we shed housering our way to the, the playoff places. Um, but then I know it's been mentioned all the stats there around the clean sheets and the best defence in, in the top four divisions. Um, Dale Fry, McNair and, and Dyke Steele have really been the catalyst to that. Um, we know that Grant Hall's coming back very soon, uh, but how impressive have you been with Dale Fry so far this season, aka the Borough Lighthouse? Um, but also, 
can Grant Hall get even get back into this side? I, to be honest, on current form of the the back three, the back four, um, I don't think so. I, I don't think Grant Hall gets back into that side at the moment. Obviously, he's he's in a bit of a, a mini pre-season um, at the moment, trying to get back to match fitness. But I, I wouldn't put him back in the team. I think the players that have played, McNair, uh, Dysdale, Fry, they've been fantastic. And, and Fry, you know, I've, n- I've never been Fry's biggest fan. I've always been quite critical of him because I just, I never feel as though his performances have been strong enough. But he is thriving at the moment at the heart of a Neil Warnock defence. And, and yesterday, didn't really give Ivan Tony a sniff. And just credit to him, he's obviously upped and, and improved his physical game. And it shows. And I think this is probably the best I've seen Dale Fry play for Borough ever, I think. He's really matured at centre-half role, hasn't he, this year? Um, it really helps playing in a three as well. But even with the, the playing as a two yesterday, with, with McNair there, with Baller and Dice Steel there, I thought he looked really, really comfortable. And, mm. and Tom, the, the two points that we've got from a possible six this week, um, obviously two draws against top position, really, when you've got the Teesside Blues and, and, and Brentford as well. Both teams really expect to have high finishes this year. Brentford, obviously, the favourites to go up. Um, but do you think Borough deserved the two points, or do you think we should have probably deserved probably six? I think probably four would have been fair from those two games. I think with Blackburn, we did everything but score. Um, I know we had we had fair few chances, and it's always them where their keepers seem to play absolutely out of the skin against us. And I know Ainsley Pears probably had a, a point to prove as well, but he made a few decent saves that game. Brentford, I think a lot of people probably would have taken a point away there before the game. Um, firstly, I, I was one of them. Um, so I, th- I think four probably would have been like fair out of the, the two games. But even so, two's, two's great to come out and have not lost this week. And to keep that unbeaten run going as well, I think it, it's critical for the, the confidence side of things for us. But so I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the first question of the podcast this week. Um, Tony Alley from Instagram, they've said, um, can Borough realistically make the playoffs this season? Um, I know we've spoke privately, you'd say probably mid-table for the majority of the season, but and unbeaten now, it's aligning with Karanka's promotion team, and I know how much you love uh, Karanka as well, so it could be quite a hard one to, to take, but can we actually get playoffs this year? I think realistically we can, yeah. Um, personally, I was having a conversation with my dad the other day during the Blackburn match, I think, and he said he thought we could go all the way and get automatic, but I'm not that optimistic. I think playoffs right. is... <laughs> I, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm not that optimistic. I think we can make playoffs, I think, to be in and around there by January and then bring in some reinforcements. Hopefully we'll have... You know what more in the next couple of weeks as well, which hopefully should help. Um, but I, I was saying, I, I texted you this morning, said I'm starting to feel kind of similarities between now and the season where Karanka took us up, like the the undefeated uh, streaks. You know, I think there were a fair few points during that season where we hit international breaks and we're like, oh, great. So, like a couple of our players who have knocks can recover, and I think we might have like lost a fair few of the the first games afterwards, but. Uh, it, it seems kind of fairly similar at the moment, and I think the the defense is extremely solid at the moment. It's great to see. So yeah, I don't I don't see why we can't make the playoffs this season. Well, it's it's, it's the the contrast um, from the start of the season to now um, is crazy. It's crazy what a few results can do to 
to get us into this position as well because at the start of the season, but I actually did say mid-table would be a, a massive bonus for us. Um, but the Warnock's just whipped these boys into shape and it's it's fair play, you know, we're, we're doing really well this year and we'll let's chat about Brentford now though um, and, and move things on a little bit. And, you know, it was obviously a good point yesterday. Tom's mentioned there that we should, a point was a really good result for us. We limited Brentford to about one shot on target yesterday, which I thought was really impressive. Um, and it was only one real clear chance that was off target as well, um, which they should have buried at, at the time. But um, how would you rate Borough's game management yesterday, Dan? Because we looked really, really solid, um, tough to break down. It was a very Neil Warnock type performance. Um, but the game management side of things, I thought, was excellent in my opinion. Yeah, it was. I think it, it shows with... Uh the non-substitution of Roberts as well. I know we'll probably get onto that later, but um, so I'll, I'll, I'll speak about that a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, fantastic. And I think I said a couple of podcasts ago about Borough and not really trusting them to see a game out. And I don't. I'm, I was a bit unsure whether I do trust them, but I think now I absolutely do. It's just the Neil Warnock way to be horrible to play against, to be tough to break down, to be difficult to beat difficult to get shots off and you know a, a stat that came out which I'm pretty sure well you, you may have seen but uh, from Stats Christian said that the current top three uh, sorry the three uh, top scoring sides in the championship at the moment have all faced Borough this season and they haven't scored um, each side mm-hmm. it, uh, Blackburn, Reading and Brentford they could each only manage a single shot on target against us I mean that that is some stat to think about last season and, and the complete contrast of our defence, uh, we would give chances away, we'd give openings away, we'd give shots away so easily under Woodgate. And it's it's such a, a drastic difference, and a good one at that, of course. Um, and it's it's testament to not only Warnock, but the players as well, because Warnock can easily say, right, go out and do this, but they have to do it themselves. Um, and that's what they're doing. And, and game management recently has is, is, is reflected that. I think we've been absolutely fantastic at the back. And, and that is a solid foundation to move forward and to have a good season. I, I absolutely agree with everything that you, you said there, Dan. And if you look at the shape as well that we're playing at the moment, we seem to be playing these these free-flowing teams who attack with full-backs um, and try to be really aggressive going forward. Um, that four-three-three tends to work quite well. I think we tend to play with two fullbacks on the wings, if if that makes sense. Obviously, we have Coulson and Spence up there, um, and then you've got Dyke Steele, who's mainly moved into more of a centre half this year, and we normally play with uh, Mark Baller there now. Um, and that seems to compact the space really well, make it teams dif- make it difficult for teams to break the play down um, and limit them to chances. Obviously, you're going to get teams are always going to get that chance, um, but we've just got to make sure that it's, they don't score from it essentially because we're not creating enough at the time. And but Tom, that four-three-three shape looked good yesterday. Colston Spence, um, you know, with the width there. But for me, I think we seem to be a little bit blunt going forwards. Um, do you think Warnock's plan this week was to probably just go for the draw rather than the win? Personally, I don't think so, but I think it kind of comes back to what you were saying about having full-backs on the win in uh, Spence and Coulson. I think I'd probably go so far as to say it's not really a full-on 4-3-3. It's more of a 4-5-1 at times. And you, I think it was the, the Brentford manager yesterday who was talking about us going man-for-man and man-marking. And I think he said it was only us and Huddersfield that do it in the in the division. I think what, what we have with Colson and Spence on the wings is that any overlapping fullbacks are tracked by them 
and it's the advantage of having wing backs there. I think even when you saw the uh, the substitutes yesterday, we had uh, Johnson, Brown, and Roberts all on the bench. Brown and Roberts, you can arguably say, would fit in with four three three as kind of like really attacking mm-hmm. wingers. But the sub we made was, I think, it was just Coulson for for Johnson out of uh, out of the the three players who were supposed to be up front. And you look at where Johnson's been playing most of this season and, and like a lot of last season as well. He was kind of in that wing-back role. I think it is more of a, a kind of tactical focus on on being balanced against teams like uh, at Brentford and possibly Blackburn as well, because I know they've scored a fair few. Um, but for, for other games where we would expect to win and you know we can afford to be a bit more open, maybe Brown and Roberts could be in those uh, two wing positions then. But I think definitely yesterday uh, it was kind of a more of a, a tactical balance and he had to have that in mind with who he picked to start there and, and the changes. If you look at Bora's uh, player this year a lot, then probably the main source of our attack really is coming through the wings, more set players as well. I don't think the set players really worked very well yesterday. Um, we just couldn't seem to beat the first man on corners. Um, then would you like to see Bora maybe adjust the attacking, attacking player slightly? Maybe try and play through the midfield a little bit more with the likes of, you know, Tavs being played in more of a central role. Patrick Roberts can, can probably play that role if he played in a bit more advanced position. Um, do you think that would probably be a better route to be a bit more direct uh, when playing in the centre-forward rather than playing from the wings? Because, for me, it's really, really difficult for the likes of Akpom and the Sambalongba to get on at the end, end of crosses when they're isolated. Um, it just, just doesn't seem we have that uh, support there yet, does it? Um, would, would you like to see them become more, a little bit more direct with Tavern Roberts, maybe? Potentially, yeah. But, I mean, yesterday I don't think our play was bad uh, down the flanks in terms of we were getting into positions to create chances. It was just our decision-making is woeful. It's really, really bad. There were so many opportunities (laughs) yesterday to get the ball into the box, you know, a cutback. I was having a look. I think the wide players, um, both the the full-backs and the wingers, created, I think, they had three crosses and not one of them was accurate not not one of them went was actually um ended up in the box and it's just it's it's that that is a really it's a big frustration for me when i'm watching the games because i'm thinking right we're in these opportunities we're in these spaces we seem to be getting through but it's just that little bit that little bit extra bit of quality and you know there was a, a piece of play in the first half where we seem to create a one-two, and I think it might have been um, Akpom that that had the ball, and he cut it back, and it just got intercepted. And it's things like that. I don't think our wide play is bad, but our decision making absolutely is, and and that needs major, major work. Yeah, well, that, that decision making is absolutely right. Um, I think when we look at Middlesbrough's player this year, is nine goals. I think we've scored eleven games so far. That's clearly the Achilles heel. Um, it, it's it's a case of not trying to get beat and trying to grind out results um, probably until January, in my opinion, where we can potentially bring in more quality. Um, but that's that side of things, D. Um, we're only really having that one or two shots on target per game. And do you think we can really rely on that this year? Or do you think this team could be found out too soon? Because I think the problem we've got I think it was like very similar to Kranka. When we go 1-0 down, can we get back into it? And can you see the similarities there? Would you think this team could be found out this year if we don't create more chances? I think that's the argument, isn't it? We, I feel like we'll end up 
finding that out against Norwich. I can't see us uh, keeping a clean sheet against Norwich. Um, we'll see. I mean, we, it really is just that that final third. It's just the refinement up there, and it, it's it's a shame because the defense is fantastic. I, I couldn't praise the defense highly enough. Um, it will get to a point in the season, probably sooner rather than later, where we can't really rely on on keeping a clean sheet, where we can't rely on our defence again, and we need to go forward. We need to to twist rather than stick. And I think with that Brentford game yesterday, we did we did stick. Um, and I think that that was a game that we probably, I mean, we we would have absolutely would have taken a point from that game. And and I think the point was fantastic, but. There is a time where we're going to have to change that, and we're going to have to be a little bit more ambitious and and not rely on or rest on the defence. Because at the end of the day, uh, without meaning to sound like uh, Michael Owen, you do need to score goals to win a football match. So you know we'll, we'll we'll obviously see what happens. We'll we'll know sooner rather than later about that. But um, yeah, we definitely Neil Warnock will know himself. Uh, we can't score goals, and and that's what needs to be improved. If you score, win. Exactly. It's that Michael Owen. Um, <laughs> Tom, how would you? How do you think Bora can be? I think Tom. Uh, how do you think Bora can be a bit more aggressive and creative going forward? Then, um, is it a case of maybe waiting until January, bringing Grzycki and Balassi, maybe for January to try and see us all the line? Or is there anything Neil Warnock can do now to get us moving forward? I think, uh, like like I said earlier, with the the whole four three three four five one uh, argument, if uh, Roberts and Brown were to play as the wingers, I think would be a little bit more um, ambitious going forward and able to create things. But I think you, you've just got to pick and choose the the games where that's appropriate. Really, I think we've we've spent some goals and like yesterday, um, I think. We weren't setting up just to draw, but they have the the pace on the counter attack to to potentially do something. I mean, not not saying Brown and Roberts don't, but they'd also not have that same defensive positioning. Um, like I said, I, I think it's just pick and choosing the the games where you can, can be a bit more attack focused. And uh, like yesterday and Blackburn were probably two where Warnock's made the right decision and and being a little bit more balanced with the approach. Yeah. Um... Well, we spoke on the live stream Tuesday. We've spoke uh, personally as well about Patrick Roberts, and you mentioned him there. Um, would you have liked to see Patrick Roberts maybe yesterday, or do you think it wasn't the right game for him to come on and, and try and make an impact? I, I think you, you'd always like to see him come on because he, he is an enjoyable player to, to watch. But I can't remember which game it was before Blackburn, but Warnock came out afterwards and said... Yeah, it, it wasn't that type of game. It was in the—I think it was Reading anyway. It was like they were—it they were mm. was in the balance, and if we open up too much, they'll they'll hurt us. So after that, I've started kind of looking at it a different way and thinking if he's not brought Roberts on, he probably knows what he's doing. Um, I know he obviously came out after the Blackburn match and said, "Yeah, my mistake. I should have brought him on." Um, but I don't know. I've still still got that kind of trusting him that yeah, he, he knows what he's doing. And if we're not seeing Roberts, then there's probably a reason why. Good to see you back, Tom. Um, you crashed for a good half an hour there. <laughs> yeah, it was just like the same face. <laughs> I thought you broke and that was something. Carry on, John. Oh, did you know what Tommy is actually a ventriloquist as well? Um, so you can, you can actually do that. So 
Um, but I was going to ask Robert for a second, Tom. Um, got a question here from... Yeah, that's what it is, mate. I thought you were wearing a mask for the... For, do you know like <laughs> those, those masks where, like, just shows that you're probably, like... <laughs> oh, I'm wearing one of them just to fool me. No, he actually has for us. No, he's still there. I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, right. Anyway, right. Um, so, next question, Tom. Um, it's it's from Lockie M at underscore 19 on Instagram. Um, they said, should Robbo be starting or would this ruin uh, the shape of the team? So, I know you mentioned there could be a game-by-game basis. Um, but in an ideal world, would you like to see Patrick Roberts start? Um, but also, and if so... Um, and also, if if not, would you think it would ruin the shape? Um, like yesterday, just for an example, if we move to a two midfield, that would give him the space and behind the striker. Um, obviously, but just just behind uh, the striker to to follow that free roll, free roam uh, type of role. But with that in mind, uh, do you think he could be starting uh, for this for us this year? I, th- I think yeah, but like I say, it has to be kind of game by game. I think in an ideal world, we w- we wouldn't need to have to do it game by game. We'd have that four three three work. But um, well, I think we've also got to take into account it is a small squad, and it does still have weaknesses. But we play to our strength, so. Yeah, in, a, in an ideal world, I'd like to see him start quite a lot, but it, up until at least January, if we can bring anyone else in, I suppose it has to be game by game. Okay, then um, next question we've got from Yusuf. Um, he says, with us struggling in the final third, um, can Marcus Brown have the same effect as his fellow 2019 signings, Dyke Steele and Baller, um, have under Warnock, um, or will his inclusion in the side set our solid and effective team shape that's been so successful this season. We've been mentioning that a lot about Patrick Roberts, uh, but Marcus Brown there is someone who's very, very direct. He's already scored this season um, against Bournemouth. Sometimes a shame to see him on the bench. Do you think he should be getting included in the starting eleven or be at least be brought on a lot more? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with our system at the moment is we are playing with those uh, sort of fullbacks on the wing because we have that defensive stability there. You'll see Spence and Coulson coming back and effectively doubling up on the wingers um, to help out Baller or Dykesteel, whoever's uh, in those positions. And I think with Brown, you're sort of sacrificing that defensive stability and it's just, it goes back to my argument of, of whether Neil Warner wants to stick or twist with the game. I think if you put... Marcus Freeze. I've on froze. Well, I mean, I'm screen recording it, so I was fine throughout the whole of that. It was you two that froze. Oh, God, right. Just We'll go back. Um, just repeat just re- repeat your point. I know I, I missed a lot of it around about Eustace's question. Um, do, you want me to go, re- do you want me to go back on the question, or are you happy uh, to re answer it for us? I'm happy to say what I said again, yeah. I, I was just basically saying that I think when you have players like Marcus Brown and Patrick Roberts who are essentially sacrificing, uh, you know, a defensive-minded value of the, of the team and um, with Roberts as well, you're sacrificing a midfielder. So I think the decision not to bring Roberts on was was a good one. I think it was the best one for us in the game. Um, 
but it's it yeah like i said it goes back to that argument of whether you want to stick or twist in a, in a match and um i think at the moment against teams like brentford and potentially norwich to come um you would rather stick and, and take a point but the i mean to add to it actually the blackburn game is probably a game where we should have taken a bit of a risk and a gamble and, and brought roberts on and tried to go for the three points but uh yeah those players are players to bring on i think when when you want to to take that risk and you want to try to win the game and not just see out a point that, that that's a that's a that's a fair a fair point i think i i fully agree with you um i think Neil Warnock's plan um, this season, well, I mentioned it earlier in, in the pod as well, that I, in my opinion, I think we're personally just trying to get through to January, get as many points as we possibly can in this time. The reason why we can do that um, is, one, if we can try and get towards near the playoffs or mid-table and start to build again, start to bring in players, and when you've got halfway through the season, you can give it a big push towards the end and bring in the players that you want um, to try and give us that creative edge to to potentially get us up the table and maybe into the playoffs as well. But it's not good for my butt cheek um, if we're going to go up with Holly Fawani on there. But <laughs> in an ideal world for Borough, I think it's it's a really good plan for us to have. Um, it is good to grind out results the way we are having ten def- defensive players behind the ball. We just need that little bit of quality to to get us up there. I just don't think we have that yet. I don't think we have it yet. Um, with 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 Akpom and Nisamba Longa, we obviously have Fletch to come back as well. Um, but at this moment in time, we're not feeding them enough chances per game to get the results that we really want. But once they start firing, though, Jesus Christ, we could be under a winner. We could be really in a, in a very, very good position um, at the end of the season. Um, uh, but then when it comes to that time of, time of the year, I'll, uh, I'll start to worry about it then. But um, I don't have anything to worry about yet. <laughs> I think. Anyway. We'll move on. We'll move on, D. Um We'll we'll chat about this foundation then if if we if building uh, and we'll borrow this year obviously the the two sign the two signs will get made last year well two out of the three um, Mark Baller Anthony Dykesteel both signings last year they looked quite weak they didn't really look as strong as we thought they were going to be Baller went out on loan to get get more game time and didn't really get it Dykesteel was out for the majority of the season um. But this year, they've just been an absolute revelation under Neil Warnock. Um, how impressed have you been with them, D, um, with Mark Ball and Anthony Dykesteel? Because for me, they've been absolute outstanding, especially the last few games. Yeah, Dykesteel's just... Dykesteel really is wonderful, isn't he? He's just that player that, that I just look at and I think, my God, you are literally... like I would want you around my house for Christmas dinner. You know, he's <laughs> just that type of... He's just that type of person. Um he's just he's just lovely he's just a lovely guy and a lovely player and um as you can tell i'm a big fan of dyke steel um but matt bowler as well has been has been fantastic i think he's gone under the radar actually matt bowler you know his sort of rise into the team this season has been fantastic he went to black blackpool last season and, and couldn't even get couldn't even dislodge james husband in, in that left left back spot so you know, his I think he need, he deserves a lot of credit, uh, Mark Baller. He's been fantastic and you know, he he's really quietened a lot of uh well, Anthony Knockhart and quite a few good championship wingers uh, already this season. So, you know, he's been fantastic. Dykesdale's been fantastic. Um and that does open the door for, for Marcus Brown, like we were mentioning earlier, if them two can 
you know, stake a claim to be, you know, a, a fantastic performers this season as they have been, then I think Marcus Brown can also do the same. So, uh, it's, uh, it's the case of I could I, like, I needed to cough there while I was like, <laughs> joining that you, you mid talk and couldn't get couldn't get me words out, but. I was going to say about the Dyke Steel, um, I'll try and get his number for you, Dana, if, if that's possible. Um, I'll try and get the Dyke Steel around Dana's for Christmas. Um, I feel like it can catch. Um, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But he is he is a very, very, it was a wonderful player. Tom, I know you've been really impressed with him as well. Um, just with, with Dyke Steel and, um, and Baller Tom, um, I think we could be. A little bit wary of them in the January window, um, especially Anthony Dyke Steele, especially McNair as well. Um, these players that would be getting looked at um, in the January window, do you think Borough could be a bit worried to, to lose them, maybe? I'd hope not. I'd hope it was kind of the scenario where teams might be looking and thinking, oh, it's only been a few months, they've not done it really consistently. And when you look at Dyke Steele compared to last season, I think we went to Blackburn away, which might have been his first game mm-hmm. in the team. And then we were wondering why we'd signed him because he gave a penalty away for pulling Danny Graham's shirt and he he did nothing mm. for the rest of the game. So he, he has had that that last season. You know, Ball had a, a bad last season as well. And yeah, I'd, I'd hope that teams might look at the consistency, at least for this January transfer window and think that's oh, maybe only been a few months. We'll give them longer to actually scout a bit more. If my opinion, I don't think McNair has much left on his contract as well, so it could be a case of, you know, can we force Boris hand a little bit here and try and get him a move, maybe to a, another another team in the promotion in the promotion push, or even um, a, a lower league Premier League team. I think might take a risk on uh, Penny McNair as well. Um, but let's try out another player that might potentially need a move. Um, it's Lewis Wing. Um, I know we've, we've spoken about him a lot, but he came in the side yesterday with him and Tuba, obviously for Britain Savile. Um, it was a really big chance for Lewis Wing yesterday, Tom. Um, but how do you think he fared in that midfield? And do you think more game time would probably help Lewis Wing get sharper? I think he was unimpressive yesterday, to mm. be totally fair. Um, and more game time, I'm not sure, is something that we can afford to him uh, while we're trying to kind of maintain this run. I think. You know, Savile was out yesterday due to a family emergency. That's the only reason Wing got in the team. But there's no doubt that if Savile was available, he'd have been playing. Um, I think with Lewis Wing, he's just very limited. Um, when me and my dad are watching games, we kind of have an ongoing joke that he's like Fulton Reed from the Mighty Ducks. Like he's got a hell of a shot on him, but only one out of five go in and the rest will like go up at the scoreboard at Rosehead's put the glass through, stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I don't know what he offers to that midfield three. Um, and I don't think we can kind of afford the the time to him to, to gain that sharpness back, really. Okay, so, Dana, do you think Lewis Wing has the future then? Or Tom really mentioned there that it might be the end of, of, of Lewis Wing up or, uh, <laughs> But do you think he has the future? Do you think he has the, he can get, maybe one can get the best out of him like Tony Pulis did? I'm not sure. I don't think he fits the system that we play. Um, I've yeah. mentioned before that I think when Borough going forward and, and wing can affect the play from deep, I think he has he's he's got fantastic vision to be able to spray those those passes forward. But defensively, he is a weak link. But 
you know, I do agree with Tom in that he was unimpressive yesterday. It wasn't. I'm not the biggest fan of of Lewis Wing, nor am I the biggest critic of him either. But um, what I won't knock is his work rate. I think yesterday he was absolutely fantastic in his commitment to you know effectively silencing that midfield and making sure that we we ground that result out. And uh, funnily enough, Dale Fry mentioned something uh, in his post match interview about how he when he runs he looks tired and he does he looks absolutely pagged he looks like a rag doll just being thrown around the pitch <laughs> but his his work at yesterday was fantastic and and I can only praise him for that even if his performance wasn't the best I just want to add on to that as well about his work rate uh, a couple of years ago when he was trying to break into the squad under Pulis I remember there were games at the Riverside where he wasn't even picked on the bench but he'd be out at half time like pretty much doing lengths of the pitch running and stuff. And there was a coach with him, I think, timing him or something like that. Like, you, you can't question his commitment or his work rate or anything like that because, mm. you know, we, we've seen that since a few years ago. It's just maybe he's a bit limited in, in ability, I think. Mm. Um, I think it's a bit harsh. I think I think Lewis Wing, yes, don't he should have pro- appreciated he had his chance yesterday and it, it didn't really suit him, this current role either. Um, I think when under Tony Pulis, I thought he was protected quite well, and um, when we were playing that more five-two-one-two formation, um, it was it was it was able to have that free roam in midfield, get forward when we need to, and support the strikers. And I thought that was his real key position, really, and I thought he was going to really kick on. Um, and it just seemed to be quite stagnated a little bit. Um, he's still got the ability there. Um, he can still work hard and, and get into this team but I think it's going to be really really difficult for him at the moment especially with the form of Sam Morsey Savile and House and even Tav yesterday I thought Tav um, hasn't really been mentioned much by the fans but I thought he was really really good yesterday um, getting back uh, being defensively sound using his pace to help cover the, the space that we were losing as well and it's crazy to see Tav be in this, be in this position and work really well in it um, so maybe it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Wing to get in. Um, but then, if if Wing doesn't have a future, uh, Bora, do you think Boris should look for a replacement? Um, and who should we look for? Because this midfield three of Mardi, Savile, and House, and even throw Tav in the ring as well. Uh, in the ring as well, it looks really settled. Um, is there any who do you think we should potentially look at? Should we look at someone who would be kind of accepting not to play as much? Yeah, just get Julian Dessart back and have him do that knee slide on the pitch at the on the touchline. I think that, <laughs> that's the only person I can think of. But no, um, there's there's obviously going to be competition. I think Savile, um, Savile and McNair, um, obviously are with Northern Ireland, so they will be burning out at some point. The amount of games that they've had, so rotation is is going to be important, and that's where Wing has to step up. And he. Uh, was obviously trusted yesterday uh, to step up. Um, I kind of do agree with Tom in that I think sometimes he, you know, he, he lacks in certain departments um, in terms of his qualities and his his overall game. Um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. I must have met other than Desart. Um, if we if we want to throw him in there for the for the laughs, but. Um, yeah, we're probably going to have to bring in somebody, um, even if we do keep Lewis Wing, because eventually uh, injuries will, will stack up, and I think suspensions as well, especially with Sam Morsey. I mean, the, the yellow card man, um, he's going to pick up a, a few of them this season. So, yeah, we're going to have to obviously rotate the squad, and, and Lewis Wing's going to have to come into good use. 
Yeah, um, so we'll put that. We can put that as a tweet out there on a day. Then um, we'll see if if Lewis Wing doesn't have a future. Um, who should we look to bring in um, to replace him? And I think it's a really, really difficult one to to ask. You know, we'll have the answer. Probably Ben Strickland. He'll always have the answer. But if you listen to us um, on the podcast apps, we had to quickly press stop and uh, and start again because the live stream broke on us. But Dana, we would just want to move on to Norwich um, and break those down. Uh, a team that's in form at the minute that won the last game as well. Um, ben Gibson starting to throw on the assist. You've got the likes of Wendia, Pookie, Cantwell, um, all trying to all starting to come to fruition now, and they're looking like a really strong side. Um, what have you got for us in terms of the breakdown? Yeah, like you said, they won the last game one 0 against Swansea, uh, in which they played a forty-three-one formation. Uh, Marco Steeperman was the goal scorer in that that game. Another late goal for them. They seem to have discovered a bit of a knack for for scoring late goals, which I think is. <laughs> Um, a, a really good trait for a team that wants to get out of this division. Uh, but yeah, some key points about about Norwich from the stats that I picked up from who scored. Uh, they tend to dominate possession. Uh, they average 58.5. Uh, North side in the division averages more. And with that, they also have the highest passing accuracy percentage uh, in the league with, with 84%. Uh, they also have the most shots per game, uh, 18.7. Uh, and against Swansea, they managed uh, 21 uh, attempts on goal so you compare that to our one a game or one one or two a game that's that's quite some uh, some distance between those uh, they're unbeaten in seven league games so they're, they're very high in the form table and with that to be fair to them they're performing well without some key stars they didn't have Onel Hernandez, Kieran Dowell, uh, Quintilla, Ben Gibson uh, in their last game so they've got some fantastic players at their disposal and um, real quality uh, in their squad but yeah one to watch slightly left field but uh, Bally Mumba uh, full back uh, not an established player in their side by any means but uh, made a great impact coming off the bench against Swansea uh, he set up uh, the assist essentially for, for the winning goal uh, and by all accounts had had a very good game so one to maybe th- that might go under the radar but he had a very very good game um, against the Swans um, according to the Norwich fans. So, yeah, they've, they've got a fantastic team and it's going to be a really difficult game for Borough and I think that goes without saying, really. Yeah. Um, been absolute travesty if they don't go up this year with the quality of the team that they've got. Um, Ballymumba, obviously a former uh, Sunderland Academy player. I think he was just sold for 300,002 Norwich, which was an absolute steal, in my opinion. I think he's still only like 17, 18-year-old. He, he made his debut for Sunderland when he was 15. I mean, he just seems to be a very, very progressive young footballer. I can't believe some let him go, but I guess they're not very uh, in a good position, shall we say, financially. Um, but Tom, uh, we'll, we'll move on to score predictions. How are we feeling against Norwich? Can you feel Neil Warnock shed housery performance coming on and maybe a crank rest 1 0? Maybe. Are you feeling confident? Yeah, I was actually going to be a bit optimistic and say 1 0 this time. So you've uh, you got my guess spot on there. Um, I think there's no reason why we can't get something out of this game. Uh, when you look at who we've already played, the likes of like Watford, where it arguably could have been a draw, uh, Bournemouth, where we played well, Brentford, um, there's been a couple of others as well. Um, I don't see why we can't get something out of that game, especially at home. So, yeah, I'm going to back us for a 1-0 win there. No win for, for Tube Rack, Tom. Uh, Dana, what are you getting for the score prediction? 
I think 1 0 Norwich. I I just I can see them scoring another late goal, to be honest. It'll probably be uh, Vrancic from a free kick because he just seems to like scoring free kicks, Marco Vrancic. Um, so, yeah, we'll. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say 1 0 Norwich. Yep. I think it's going to be a really difficult game for us. I'm going to go 2-1 Norwich. I think it's going to be a really tough game for us. Um, if by any means, if we get beat, I don't think it's a bad result. Um, this one being streak has to, come, has to come and end at one point. But you, know, you never know. You never you never, you never know of a Neil Warnock team. They always tend to grind out results at the the moment you don't expect them to. Who would have thought we'd be 10 on B? And who would have thought we'd be have the best defence in the division? And who would have thought that we would... And be where we were, where we are this season. But that pretty much wraps things up, guys. Thank you very much um, today. I know it's been a bit of a chew on with all the re-recording and also with the, the, the live stream going down. But that's pretty much it from us. Borough going to the the international break, ten on beating the best defense in the top four divisions to have a solid foundation for a good season ahead. Um, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all of your master chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the area. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.